Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. And for episode 50, I have a special announcement for everyone. Do tell. Coming to Steam in 2020, I'd like to announce the Glorio Blog VR Edition. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. You know, you'll be able to choose your Mm. favorite Glorio crew member and watch or simulate watching any of the anime we covered in 2012. Oh, God. I I can't wait to. I would not wish that on any man. I can't wait for people, thousands of people, to watch me virtually sleep or virtually complain about mecha anime. I was literally about to say love luxury chocolate. (laughs) We'll have uh, we'll have you know faithfully recreated backgrounds like my home office or uh, if you're playing a multiplayer mode, Iro's house. (laughs) You know, I I sit in the same fucking spot I do as I did then. So. I, I think I have actually moved to a different desk, so we'll, we'll include that in the expansion pack later. But uh, uh, yeah, clear. I mean, obviously, I wrote that. I was thinking of that when uh, the Half Life announcement came out, but then Nerd News got dominated by the Cybertruck thing, and I was like, "Should we do a Cybertruck joke?" But... There's a lot of potential bits you could have gone with. Like, I was half expecting Pokemon. Like, I well, we're going to talk a lot about yeah. Pokemon, so. But yeah. uh, the Cybertruck thing was just like. I could not write anything funnier than what actually happened. Oh no, it, real life it is was amazing. <laughs> real so. life is greater than fiction sometimes. Oh yeah. Yeah. So anyway, this being an anime podcast, let's uh move along into talking about anime, but we'll introduce everybody first. Uh I'm Jell, and this episode I am joined by Iro. Hello, I'm still here. Still here. And G. Yo yo. And uh, we have Marlon this week. Hey, I'm back. He's back. So, um, so yeah, we've got, like we said, we've got some Pokemon stuff to talk about, uh, a couple other, a couple other shows to catch up on, and then we'll get to our regularly scheduled episode coverage on a couple of the other shows. And uh, we'll start off with the uh, we had the release of Pokemon Sword and Shield about a week ago now. Uh, and there was, of course, a little bit of, I guess, quote-unquote controversy with this particular Pokemon. First, with the announcement that, you know, they're not going to have the full Pokedex in there, so there's not going to have all the Pokemon available. And then, you know, later on, when the the review embargoes broke, some people were had a few complaints about some of the performance issues on the, on the game or something like that. But, um... Despite all that, the game still broke records. It was the most, it was the highest selling uh, Pokemon opening of all time with like 6 billion copies in the first couple days or something like that. Which, for reference, the last game, which was like the the Pikachu Eevee one, what I forget the exact title. Let's go Pikachu. Yeah, that was, that's apparently only sold 1.5 million copies in the first two weeks. Really? So this completely crushed that and was the highest selling pokemon um i don't think any of us have played it yet but it still looks pretty good um, i mean i'm thinking about getting it but i've not yeah. pulled the trigger I, I saw one video that the one thing that's rough is they have like this multiplayer area 
where like you can see other people and there's like Pokemon just kind of wandering around and that's where it seems like things really hitch up. It, it just doesn't seem like it's built for that kind of stress. It seems like the network features... I mean, for better or worse, what desired. it looks like is a developer's first attempt at doing an open world, and unlike the Breath of the Wild team, it feels like Game Freak was not really <laughs> looking at their contemporaries in terms of uh, what to take inspiration or advice from. F- fair amount of help from Monolith Soft, is my understanding. Yeah. Well... Yes. That still uh, does not explain the kind of the right. very kind of uh, latent <clears throat> performance issues that right. have definitely been. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it's so ugly. Like, it doesn't look very high <laughs> detail. Fine. Like, yeah, yeah, it's not a looker. Well, like, but like then, relative yeah, to was... Breath of the Wild, like, you'll I mean, that's compare... not really a necessarily yeah. a fair comparison. Fine. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think. Get, um... I, I get what Marlin is saying. Yes, is that, I get like, what you're saying. You know, you compare it to other, like, games of a similar, like, attempt at that scope and scale, like Breath of the Wild, like Xenoblade 2, it's, I mean... Like, this is a game released on the the most advanced console that Nintendo has, and it looks like that. That just seems, like, I know Nintendo's always behind everyone else, but, like... I mean, yeah, I don't think it's even as much Nintendo as it is Game Freak, if we want to be, you know, honest here, yeah. I think that... Nintendo in general has always been pretty good at getting decent, you know, you look at like stuff like Splatoon or Breath of the Wild or Super Mario uh, Odyssey. Nintendo, like like first party Nintendo, they generally know how to get like, they know how to squeeze blood from a stone. I'm not sure I would ascribe those same qualities to Game Freak, who are the actual developers of the Pokemon games. Right. I I think it's an interesting discussion because on the one hand... I do feel there was a lot of, you know, reactionary gamer overreaction to some of the shortcomings of the game. But on the other hand, there are definitely shortcomings to the game um, that should be, you know, rightfully pointed out. So, like, there's a balance there, I guess, that is, you know... I mean, it will always always yeah. a fun time to try to find balance in video game discussion yeah. on the internet. I mean, it, it, but... like, it is it's it's really unfortunate that like the discussion of Sword and Shield immediately jumped into its most like toxic logical extreme because it really does I think muddy the waters of like what right. I think could be a legitimate discussion about. You know, this franchise makes more money than what literally any other franchise on anything. the planet yeah like if if disney released a product of the same quality as pokemon sword and shield you know people would be raking that over the coals but oh i don't know it would be but they'd still buy it <laughs> it's, like, still it's buy the same it, right? problem yeah. yeah i mean that's the thing right like i mean if we want to get to the core of it it's like look i I have my criticisms of Pokemon Sword and Shield. Like, if I'm being super, like, super duper honest, like, it's a dumb, petty reason, but I legitimately did not pick up Sword and Shield because of some of the dex cuts. Like, too many of my favorites got lost in the shuffle. But, that said, even even the most cynical of us Pokemon fans had zero illusion that any of this hubbub would have, like, any effect on sales. Right. I don't think it's unreasonable to say that game freak is lazy is not the right word i don't want to call game developers lazy but they're, they're cutting corners to get a game out every year and a half or game, whatever it is game freak tends to be a studio that takes the path of least resistance and largely they have been rewarded for it and as a result 
I think most Pokemon fans, like, of course you have the most delusional toxic types, what, toxic types, you know, poison types that are like, oh man, I hope Pokemon fails, but <laughs> realistically, none of us actually thought, like, none of us thought a drop in quality was going to be what kills Pokemon. Like, if, right. if a drop in quality of the games was going to kill Pokemon, it would have killed Pokemon back during Diamond and Pearl. If something ever does, like... I don't know if un- it's the same to, like... I, I mean, it wasn't great, but Diamond and Pearl wasn't... Oh, Diamond and Pearl I, I is, a, I mean, is a real I think the, like, low d- point. To be fair, that's is, the last one I played, so... I think it's kind of apt, like, people pointed out, and I think this, there's some truth to this, that, like, the first Pokemon on each... New console basically kind of suffers from these same types of growing. Oh yeah, pains. you look at X and Y, <clears throat> right? Like... X and Y, Diamond and Pearl, like even depending on who you ask, Ruby and Sapphire. Oh yeah, totally. Um, no, people have their all have these same kinds of issues of being a little feature <clears throat> uh, feature poor and like just not quite as polished as people might like or like not quite as polished right, people like come to expect from, the, to the, from the most like, previous yeah. one you know like no totally yeah so maybe the maybe the next switch pokemon will be really good right Right. when they release like pokemon gun uh, that'll be <laughs> that will be the version to pick be up spear right like but uh well that's the thing is i'm not even sure they're gonna even do that because they won't but everybody everybody now, thought I they mean, were ever since do... ever since black and white they've just done numbered like yeah. double double sequels or whatever you know? right which is kind of a sh- kind of a shame because i you know i think that you ask a lot of people and like if you say like what's your favorite pokemon of all time you know for like really long time fans they will say either platinum or black two slash white two, just because of like how fully featured those were. So, you know, right. it is a shame if they don't really do those kind of sequel releases anymore. But I'm just also kind of not super interested in the like the the kind of culture they're like aping from in this. It's, ah, you heard it it's... here first. Marlin hates the British. I'm just saying, it's like it's it's, but it's not even like fully British. Like it Glory, just seems like Glorio USA the... represent. Well, because it. I mean, it can't, it, it's not actually, uh, you know, it's it's fake anime Britain. So. I mean, I think it's also yeah. just the fact that it's not even that. I mean, I think some of the set dressing is very British, but like the Pokemon themselves, right. there are a couple, right? Like you got the like, T Ghost and Mr. Rhyme. You got Yampers, but like, but, what does that really do in the end? You got a like a sheep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm in, I'm into that part. I will hear nothing but. bad about Wulu. Give me Poka Italy. I, hey, I will, I will, I will, hey, sure, why not? I will, I will, I will continue to like say on record. I think they should do Pokemon Mexico. I think not Mexico oh, that would, be cool. would be a yeah. very cool region. Think of all the fucking skull-based Pokemon we could get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think. Well, I, uh, I think, I think going to uh, fake anime Britain after fake anime Hawaii is a is a good contrast. And then after maybe the next one, we could do something Mediterranean or South American or something like that. That would, that would uh, to keep uh, kind of right. mixing it up. <clears throat> but um, anyway. Anyway, that... speaking of Pokemon, uh, the new yes. anime series has also begun. Uh, in co- you know, to coincide with the new games. Uh, yes, and so I, I, how how did that go? I, I, know, you saw the first I watched episode, the first episode. Right? Episode, which is all flashback type stuff, kind of easing in to the new status quo is not all that different from the old status quo um <laughs> but it's an episode about uh 
before Pikachu was at Professor Oak's lab, Pikachu's time as a Pichu, really the forbidden lore. Huh. Really, the stuff, you, the stuff you didn't, you never knew about Pikachu's past. Is this more of like a like a Star Wars prequel kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's just a one episode. It was just a one episode. we were literally just talking about Disney, I feel like the worst thing you could do with Pokemon is like... It was just the one episode. Explore the backstory that led to but yes, the iconic events of the original anime. This whole episode about Pichu, you know, get... being, on, being on its own and being adopted by a kindly Kangaskhan family. Because Kangaskhan's like... good at taking care of babies. And then like what the Kangaskhan got Pokemon? It was it like got, no Pika no Pika subtitles. And then the Kangaskhan got killed by a Fearow, <laughs> and that's why no, that's why Pikachu wants revenge. No, but... wasn't that a real episode of Pokemon in the first season? I don't season? think so. What? <laughs> I thought that there was like a season or like an episode where they go to the Safari Zone and like maybe it doesn't. Die, I never saw. But like I never saw that to... episode. I don't know. But there's, uh, a, lot, there's a lot of Pokemon episodes. Like, that's true. As as Pichu grow, grows larger, you know, it's harder for Kangaskhan to take care of baby Kangaskhan and Pichu simultaneously. Mm. Uh, hey man, being a single mother is tough. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, you, you know, when they, when they meet up the with worst. the Chance, when they meet up with the Chansey clan and the Chansey clan, you know, gives them their eggs, you know, how you split this egg between baby Kangaskhan and Pichu. Well, you could ask for Wait, a second a egg as a fucking Chansey. I don't know. Let's just meet the, the family of chances and give them eggs. Anyway, it's fucking. It's fucking iconic move is called soft boiled. Yes, just break it in half. Um, mm-hmm. so Pichu, uh, one night sneaks away and leaves because he cannot bear to see Kangaskhan having such trouble trying to raise two children. But its feelings of friendship towards the Kangaskhan that raised it allow it to evolve into Pikachu. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. That's sure. how Pichu evolves. Pichu evolves right, with my friendship. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> I haven't forgot that part. So, anyway. Okay. So, so how's did... the anime? Like, I don't know. Is it just? Does it? Or, or more, more specifically, we have heard from you and others in the chat time and time again about how good <laughs> Pokemon Sun and Moon are, and how it should be in our top ten list every year. It it's airs. good. <laughs> but. What is the vibe you get from the new one? Does it feel like it is a continuation of that sun-moon sensibility, or does it feel more like a return to the quote-unquote traditional Pokemon anime? Um, It's hard to say from what I've seen. I would like to think they learned some lessons from Sun and Moon, uh, just of making it more interesting than always town slash person of the week, uh, by having a more central cast and such. But, but this was just basically a setup episode, so it's right. kind of hard to say. Um, right? My understanding is it will be a more episodic of going to various other regions. It's not all in Galar. Like, I think home base is going to be like a Vermilion City or something. Huh. I did see Wait, something like Vermilion that. City? Yeah, because there's ships that go places, uh, yeah, I think. I guess just like, that's mm, weird, because right, then right. it's like... Because then me, the, the long-time, lifetime fan of Pokemon, I'm like, well... Does that mean Lieutenant Surge is a recurring <laughs> character? Because like, no, he... if I was making a Pokemon anime based on hang out with Lieutenant City, Surge, I just go vote, get drinks, get a beer with Lieutenant Surge. <laughs> you can tell me about all the war crimes he committed with his rights. I was right gonna say, he probably just got arrested by, for war crimes at this point. Oh, you know, boy. fucking get him talk, get him going into some PTSD flashbacks about. Do you know what a thunderbolt does to a man's skin or something? <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> peels uh... like an orange. 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I drink to keep the shocks away. All I saw was uh, this week's episode is going to be like almost a Pokemon Go tie-in of uh, we're having a raid against Lugia or something. Like, what? Yeah. What? I don't we, know. Uh, I'm, I don't know we, how I feel about this. <laughs> we did confirm this is a, this is continuing... There's yes. like a sequel from the uh, from it's the not a reboot. And not I mean, it's as much of a reboot as going to the next. Gen I mean, it is... is as much of a reboot as Ash is like Samus, but does it on purpose <laughs> and loses all his Pokemon. Yes, he left all the his, next adventure. He left all his Alolan Pokemon with Professor Kakui at the, in the last episode. I never get yeah. that because it's like, oh, we're the best friends, but I'm it's going fine. to abandon you the moment I need to leave. Like I will I say, mean, like I the more, it at I least say... is more honest because it treats them like pets. Cause sure, th- that's more like what they actually. I will are. say, like the main <laughs> disappointment I had with Sun and Moon was that when it was time for the Pokemon League, because I like when I was a kid, I always looked forward to Pokemon League because it was an excuse to bring back his old Pokemon, right? Oh uh, yeah, right. bring back Kingler, baby, but. The Alolan League, he just used the, the Alolan Pokemon. What, Kigler didn't come no. in for the last no. minute save like he always has? I wish, dude. Wait, like he couldn't even use Pikachu? Oh, he used Pikachu. Well, he had no, Pikachu, no, no. right? He but... used Pikachu. But, like, Wait, he didn't yeah. bring back his herd of Taurus or whatever? No. <laughs> uh, All but, right. uh, Charizard like, didn't come back fun. for the 50th think, fucking yeah. time. <laughs> I think that was in the episode where someone tried to kill a Kangaskhan. Oh, okay. What? Bringing this full circle. <laughs> anyway, um... I think the uh, I still really like the art style that like it's not exactly the same as Sun and Moon looked, but it's kind of got the sort of the same vibe. It's a little like cartoonier, more expressive. Um, so that's cool. great. Yes, that's good. I mean, I know that art still had a lot of haters for some reason. I don't understand why, but um, I still think it looks good. Yeah, I think they've been bringing in more freelance, like 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 notable freelance animators for here and there. Um, yeah, I have heard about it. I think that is a neat thing to do, especially for such a long-running show, because right. that kind of gives freelance animators a chance to kind of shine, kind of flex their skills. Right. And, and, like, Pokemon is the no- most known quantity of known quantities at this point. Um, right, right. I think that's I, I think that's a pretty neat thing to do. Like, I feel like there are... Pokemon might not be my kids' anime of choice, but there are certainly other kids' anime out there I like. Oh, or yeah, like Gundam Mill like Divers like. Rewrite. Yes, that if that had, like, you know, recurring freelance animators could be uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, well, I, speaking of an- good animation, I guess. Yeah, sure. Uh <laughs> Fine. Let's catch up Fine. on a few other things here. Uh, oh yeah, Pokemon's good. Pokemon is good. Um, Jigglypuff lives. Iroh, did you want to? Yeah, so I've still been watching uh, Fake Grand Order: Absolute Demonic Front Babylonia. Um, yes. Why? How many? How many Medusas are we up to? Uh, two at least. At, at least. Two, I mean, they're trying to. Be, they're. Tr- it's a weird thing of like. A, it's weird to me when the plot's trying to be coy about these people's true identities still when, like, the game itself is not at all obfuscating their true identities, um, like, I on mean, status screens w- and shit. When was the last time that the true identity, the true identities thing even mattered in Fate? Like, Fate Zero, maybe? Because all of Fate Go's appeal is, like, not, oh, it's, it's not, oh, it's not Lancer, it's, oh, it's this specific figure. Right, so, you know? but I mean, it's like... So, 
a character who they call Anna for some reason, but who everybody knows is like little girl Medusa, um, is a major, is a like main character. And then also another version, like full Gorgon monster Medusa showed up and they spent an episode calling her Tiamat because they're in Babylon. But then like, we all know it's not Tiamat, right? Like, and so it's, it's just weird to me like that kind of plot thing of it's almost like if we were actually doing a plot in babylon we would need to have these this figure this figure this figure from babylonian myth but these characters are not in actually in the game in any form those those characters don't exist yet right so we'll get like a something that we can turn into a close approximation and then hand wave away as this person was summoned because they're kind of like this other person-ish, or whatever. And it's just really <laughs> that's that 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 one's a bit of a stretch, right? Anyway, well, that show it, looks really good. Yeah. Uh, the last episode where they are fighting giant Gorgon Medusa, and like Ushiwakamaru is uh, running around and cutting up snakes for like five minutes straight. And yeah. it looks really cool. I, I haven't but seen But I just don't care yet. about these characters. <laughs> and I'm like, uh. man, this would be cool if I cared about these people. Now, let me let me let me do a thought experiment here. Uh-huh. Now imagine Imagine our heroes were sent to ancient Babylonia to uh, discover the mysteries of the absolute demonic front. Uh-huh, sure. Yes. But Instead of the characters we are currently watching, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what if instead it was a surly English professor uh, known as uh, Lord El Meloy II, okay. <laughs> okay, and his uh, okay, faithful okay. ward uh, Gray? Yeah, yeah. And they were mm-hmm. here to, because uh, somehow coming to ancient Babylonia would allow them to solve the key to a sure. murder mystery. I'd be way more into that um, rather than watching. <laughs> You know, Ushuakamaru running around in her, like, fucking stripper outfit. And... I don't even know who that is. Yeah, me neither. Right? That, okay. Ushuakamaru <laughs> saying that name, is man. the, uh, young is the name of one Minamoto no Yoshitsune. Okay, Before I'm he good. became Yoshitsune. Why is he in Babylonia? Don't. Ask me. <laughs> we don't have time for that on I this podcast. I guess Gilgamesh summoned some servants for some reason. Oh, okay. I don't fucking know. Leonidas uh, is also there, and he Gilgamesh got turned to stone. Summon, Gilgamesh can summon servants? Yeah. Why doesn't sure. he do that in the original Fate Stay Night fucking then? Because he was an archer, not a cat. Uh, ah! <laughs> so, I see we're of... causing physical pain now. They, yeah, so well, really, they should just, uh, again, give that money to... Grand Blue Fantasy, which looked worse right. than I ever mean, this week. Like, but... I just <laughs> this one fight was good. Well, Hero Fate was good. I know it ago. was. You're right. You're right. I shouldn't <laughs> complain. We got like I got my weird spit off that understood what I liked. That had no right being as decent as it was, considering Whatever. the amount of bullshit it was. Trained it had with. Luvia, <laughs> suplexing robots. Yes. Yes. That was well, cool. speaking that was speaking great. of legacy franchises <laughs> that continue <laughs> to disappoint us. Yes. Uh, we and don't need to spend too much time on this, but we're still watching Gundam Build Divers, and that show continues to do the thing of introducing Christ. concepts about a Gundam-based MMO that seem genuinely interesting and captivating, 
And then the show proceeds to do absolutely nothing with them. Instead, focusing on its least interesting elements. Yes, that's basically it. Like, let us... Okay, like the okay, we've played about this before in the podcast. So the plot itself is this weird isekai adjacent. Like we're logging to this MMO and then going to this like side zone that's full of furries and doing missions <laughs> for the furries. What? And like has nothing to do with Gundam whatsoever. Right. Like but no. Then... Like this is this is not like some weird deep cut. Right. This is not like so. Oh, in some Gundam spinoff, there was a furry village or something. Like no, 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 like... no. It's literally like, how can we make this isekai? But then, like, of course, because they still have this framing device of being in a Gundam MMO, like, once or twice an episode, we will get, you know, like, a minute inside of the MMO part before they go to the furry area. And uh, it's like, and then they'll, like, make some reference to something happening in the Gundam MMO. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. I want to see that. I want to see the Alboaku raid. Like... I want yeah. to see it. Yeah, I want to see yeah, like no, the Devil like, Gundam raid. What what are the like missions? That. Yeah, what are the missions in the Gundam MMO? Is the Pinnacle PVP activity the Gundam fight from G Gundam? Yeah, oh, like there's cool. as you know, always. Like, is there a, as always? Is like there the like, is like where do we grind the most? Is it on against the Big Zam? Like <laughs> what do we do? Right, like what's a good place of far for XP? I want to know. Like, or like even the last episode that where it's just like pseudo a focus episode on the girl and the main crew they spend 30 seconds like of her walking through the lobby and looking at other parties and for a hot second you think it's gonna talk about like being a hot girl in your like dumb video gundam video game or whatever like they gesture towards the possibility of bringing that up right uh, and then ignore it and i'm like yeah you you're showing that you see these vectors towards an interesting story, and you're just right. not taking like, them. Like, yeah, mm. like the thing is that it's, it's, it would be worse if the show was like actively ignorant of good ideas, like because the, the concept of an MMO that is that is deeply steeped in the very like long history of the Gundam franchise has a lot of potential for very interesting things, but. It's almost even worse that the show displays that it is aware of these things and then actively chooses not to engage with them. And that's what makes it frustrating. And you know what? Frankly, three minutes is already three minutes too many for Gundam build divers, so we should just move on. Right. (laughs) Tell us about the show only you've been watching, Marlon. (laughs) Yeah, let's make a hard hard cut here. How hard are they slapping those cards? Man, super hard. So, like... I didn't realize things were kind of a, like really uh, ramp. First, let's say what the yes. show is. Yes. So this is Chihaya Furu. It's Season the yes. game about competitive card slapping, as Iro alluded to. <laughs> so I don't know why, but you know how like it started episode one in week three? Well, they, they then proceeded sure, right? to release two episodes the next two weeks. So now it's caught up, which makes me question oh, why they decided to release it late in the first place but i wonder if there any, was like it, some it, other event on that channel or something could yeah, be a like, number of shows have been delayed like a week or two for... maybe it was like on the same channel as the rugby world finals or maybe, something like you're that right. like yeah like stuff was delayed for that stuff was delayed for like some sort of marathon but, slash relay race or like paralympics coverage etc right worked out perfectly because uh like there was this entire tournament arc that happened just in the episodes since we last, uh, you know, started the show, which 
it was really nice because it's one of those tournaments where it's zero stakes. Like the only thing is like you win the tournament, you get the like prestige of having won a tournament. And cool. so there, it's it's low stakes in that you know nobody loses any. You know, they're not like losing a high school tournament or they're not losing like the big championship. But there's like the rec these... center isn't going to get taken over by the evil millionaire. Exactly. At the end of this tournament. <laughs> so it, it allows these more like personal fights. So, you know, the, in Chihaya Furu, there's the girl Chihaya. She's the main character, and then there's uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, oh, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. But there's this guy. They call him Eyebrows. I don't know why. I guess okay. he has nice eyebrows. It's really weird. Oh, it's nice it's eyebrows. Yeah, usually, yeah, usually, yeah, usually, usually okay. goes the other way around. Right. Or no, it's eyelashes. Sorry, because he oh. has like eyelashes, <laughs> like a pretty male model or something like I that. I see. That's it. And so, so it's made me think of Tiger and Bunny, but like character. they're both in. So it's weird. It's so in the Karuta universe. This is the card game. There's like societies that you join, and so it's like you're in a club. And so in this uh-huh. tournament, you specifically don't play against the other people until the very end that are in your own club. So it's like a club versus club fight. And you get to see the show like kind of revolves around three characters because then there's this other guy um, named Arata who lives in Fukui, which is actually where uh, Artemis lived. It's like this super rural kind of bumpkin town and sure. or area. <laughs> and so... Uh, like he's also at this and they're kind of like really going at it and you know they, unfortunately him and the other two don't play each other but they go all the way to the end and Chihaya plays I don't know why I keep forgetting his name eyelashes in the final fight and it's like they've been building up for a while that they've been friends for so long that they haven't really had a serious match together because they're always you know mm. on a team it's together always, it's always like or, casual uh, or they're yeah, or, yeah, like they're not playing at 100% because they're just playing in practices or, you know, like one's been kind of the the guy has been trailing behind her for so long, but now they're finally in the same class together so okay. they, they can it's play like, together. It's like Goku and Vegeta yeah. squaring off for real. And so it was like really tense and you can see like it's kind of interesting because the guy, he's a main character, but he's a sore loser. So when he loses, you can kind of huh. see he has this like bratty side that really it, it feels very realistic because, you know, reminding me of my own times in the chess club. Like I loved being in that chess club. But if you caught me after a bad loss, you know, like I could just be the worst. And it, it was really cool to see how much him. So he, he plays her and Chihaya has just gotten so good. You know, like she actually had to beat a former champion in this tournament it's like she went on maternity leave and came back so wait like, wait 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 what? yeah so higher or the champions the champion okay, okay. So, so i was like, like whoa this show's got way more depth wow. than i thought no 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 no, no. So, pregnancy so she has she has just a, a high school girl she had the broken okay. finger i think i talked about that right and so right. now she has her her fingers all healed she's like okay. at, you know at 100 percent strength and so one of the matches she had was against a former champion who stopped playing the sport after she got pregnant. Because, okay. you know, it's, it, I imagine this game actually be the hardest because you have to be kneeling the whole time. And so oh, not sure. exactly the easiest position to be in while being pregnant. It just raises the table. No, you're just <laughs> you're just on the ground. I know. Like, I'm sorry. Oh. Never mind. <laughs> what, if we, what if we play Karta on a table? Well, 
You would then it wouldn't be the traditional. Yeah, then, then you're, you're ruining the purity of the sport. So he loses, and it's actually this really cool thing that they're doing. They're setting up him being a little bratty about it, and like she actually was skipping out on playing for the championship this year because it was at the same time as her school trip. And, you know, she wants to be with her friends and she wants to, like, make some memories together before she leaves school. But he decides to skip the trip to go to the championship. And so there's, like, this new drama of he's just going off on his own. Like, he's usually not a radical, but he's just now totally going off on his own. Not a radical, like, skipping school trips to go to card-slapping This is a very low-stick show where nobody does anything bad. So this isn't, this isn't, March comes in like a line. You're not going to get Is is that just, like, showing her up, basically? Yeah, basically. she's not going to be there? Well, like, he's basically trying to get one up on her so that he can finally eventually beat her. Because, like, he he kind of has resented this. So, again, like, Goku and Vegeta. Yeah. Well, I don't know if resents the right word, but like he's just always felt a little inadequate in that respect. Right. They also have been one of the things I find really weird is that I, I get they're trying to be realistic, but Arata, his voice actor is so strange, and I think that's because they're trying to do the regional dialect of this town because everybody sounds the same, but it makes it sound like everyone has like a cold every time they speak because it's like I, I cannot emulate it, but it just is bizarre. I mean, it probably just sounds different to, like, what is, you know, it's kind of like how, in America, entertainment media has a very specific, like, dialect and accent, right? Like, the yeah. the Hollywood Every, American. sounds like they're Hollywood, from California. Your, your like I said, I, yeah. I, I'm I assuming in it's... Japan, they probably have something similar, and that's why when a regional dialect does show up, it, even to those of us who aren't speakers, you know, we've watched enough anime that something like that sticks out. Yeah, and I All guess, right. like I said, it's supposed to be kind of a country bumpkin sort of accent. Well, sure. it's like you always have to have, like, your token, like, Kansai accent characters. Yes, right. Yes. But, man, so it, it was six episodes, so it's a lot to talk about all at once. But, you well. know, I'm still really <laughs> enjoying it. It's, you know, it's exactly what I signed up for, and I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. Like, if Chihaya is going to somehow, like, just jump, like, run away and try and get to the championship. I don't know if she already can't, if she it's, like, already too late. But it'll be interesting to see how this changes the dynamic between those two characters. Be, based on the setup you've given us, I'd be disappointed if she didn't play him again in the uh, thing. But well, so or no, maybe no, this they, is the or thing, maybe they though, want to tell us that the you know when the, that you know your friends are more important or something. I don't know. So but. it's kind of weird. These tournaments are um, are a, a mixed gender, but the championships are just men and women. So they can't uh, play each other in the championship. So like, because oh, you become like a master and queen, they call it. Hmm. I don't. I think it's just a Japanese. All right, okay. Like I, I think mean, they do the I same thing. I was gonna thing say I don't. I don't know if card slapping is like that physically strenuous. You need gender divides there. But yeah, hey, it's, it's I, I'm assuming it's so some Japanese it. thing. They're yeah, like, well, oh, we yeah. must divide the I know. women from the men for this. Well, I know my. I know my sister always beat me at speed card games, so I don't know. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, shy. all right. Yeah. Well, feel free to tell us, uh, give us an update about that, you know, uh, I don't know, a month or two from now when uh, Eyelashes has uh, made a deal with Bobbity for uh, unlimited power <laughs> and the removal of his morality to allow him yeah. to, <laughs> to we'll a do. new level of power in, in, in card slapping to defeat uh, Chihaya. And, and then yeah. when Chihaya goes even further beyond, 
Yes. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, removal of morality, is that is, is, can we can we work on that one for? Uh, actually, no, no, that'll work. Uh, that'll some work. interesting can, stuff happens regarding I, I, morality. I can make that work. Yes, yes. Uh, we wanted to take some. You guys mentioned last episode that yes. you'd have some things to talk about in Vinland Saga this episode. So did that happen? Yes. Speaking yeah. of a newfound reckoning with morality. Yes. Uh, there was an episode of Vinland Saga that uh, that aired, and uh, this is kind of like kind of one of the big moments uh, I've really been waiting for in in uh, in this anime adaptation. Like the 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 backdrop of it is that uh, the main character, or nominally the main character, despite his you know outstanding lack of screen time, Thorfinn uh-huh. uh, challenges the uh, the. <laughs> The cartoon, like, asterisk-tier Viking made real Thorkel in a duel. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. And uh, during that, uh, another character, Prince Canute, based off of the very real Danish king, Canute, uh, has a sort of moral reckoning about his place in the universe and his relationship with God. And I try not to spoil anything. I, I try to make it sound like, oh, I'm really looking forward to the Viking... M- axe murder during this episode <laughs> but the thing that's really actually i think what really makes vinland saga stand out as you know one of those like big name seinen series is uh Knut's, uh kind of internal dialogue in this episode where uh, essentially he has you know a pseudo dream conversation with uh his uh dis- recently deceased companion ragnar and then talks to the uh the Christian priest Willibald, kind of about the nature of love and God's grace, and kind of really gets in this idea that, like, man, not that I agree with it, but this idea that is mankind actually capable of love if their form of love is, like, quantitative and discriminatory, right? Like. Yeah. Can you really say you have love in your heart if you only love like can if you really say you're you only love... protecting your family over other people? Right, like can you right. say you love people if you love these people, but these other people you're fine with being, you know, butchered and slaughtered, you know? Can you in, in not, not, not even like case, fine, not of... even like fine with them being slaughtered, but like you will protect one person over another person. Right. right. Like is that love if it is not if your love is not unconditional, then is it love? Is it is it compassion for your fellow man? And it's a, I, I think it's a really great moment. I think it really gets into like what Vinland Saga does the best, which is kind of really get into like it, it is ostensibly about Vikings and axe murder, but is it is also about the introduction of this new and strange religion with its new and strange ideals and beliefs and how they interact with a formerly pagan society very much built around this cycle of like toxic masculine uh, vengeance cycles and grudges and the the societal developments that occur as a result of those new ideas being introduced i mean yeah i found it interesting like obviously you can tell the, the priest is intended to be portrayed somewhat as like not like a is a kook the right word? Like, like he's not all together. <laughs> I mean, like, like, well, he, like, he, he has moments dude's, of lucidity, dude's but like, he's drunk. got 
an interesting yes, outlook yes. on things. And I do, I find, like you said, the idea of the discussion of love was very interesting because it does kind of talk about what we would say is the difference between, yeah, like God's love and human love, that it can never be the same. And it, like, it's kind of right, yeah, that like we're always because of we would call it original sin drawn into this this like darkness or like this idea of 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 preference and i what i found really cool was his idea of like seeing the beauty in uh nature as really starting to understand the dichotomy between like the beauty of nature and the ugliness of what men were doing around him Right, I mean, there's definitely that idea of, like, oh, animals or nature, like, are devoid of sin or blah 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 because they are, what, without without the things that, like, taint the human soul and all that, and I, th- I think, the, I mean, again, like, the reason I like this scene is because, like, I mean, here's the thing, we're talking very big about this, but, like, at its <laughs> core, what this scene is, is the thing I think every anime fan loves of the character who is, like, a coward and a weakling, like, fucking sacking up and getting their shit together. Yeah, there's Because that. the that whole point cool. of this internal monologue is that Canute basically comes to the realization that, like, what's that phrase, like, God's will is what we make of it or whatever? Like, Canute basically arrives at the, at the conclusion that, you know, if, like, if, if, if God put us in such a, you know, in such an uncaring world filled with such uncaring people, then it is up to us to turn it into the paradise that we deserve. And... You know, this character who up till now has been portrayed as, like, a weakling and a coward and very effeminate. And to an extent, he is still many of those things, but this episode is the beginning of his turn towards, like, well, towards kingship. Yeah. Towards becoming the king that he he famously becomes in, in, in our own real-world history. And I do like that it, it's like he's not making this uh, realization of, like, courage and not becoming callous afterwards like he the first thing he does with his courage is calm down uh i forget the guy's name but the bjorn the 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 berserker yeah and so like he he still is yeah clinging on to his compassion like you said trying to make make it the best he can but he's no longer going to be timid and like think that compassion is in in avoiding the tough decisions whereas it seems i mean this all this all sounds like the stuff you were talking about g in the beginning yes. when we first started talking about the show it, is, it does saying. bear mention that like the other half of this episode is a man swinging around axes <laughs> i mean yes yeah, like, smashing the ground the and, air. You know, right like what if you kicking said a child is... like a hundred feet into the air right, like let it be said that in the episode prior to this a man punched a horse to death with his bare hands <laughs> and then kicked a child like a hundred feet in the air so right so before we get too uh high-minded here right uh, like, like i mean midland saga is a is a multifaceted work right um, Look, I, but... I just read the Book of Judges. You know what Samson does with the jawbone of an ass? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the, the uh, yeah. I, I think, um, but the, I think the fact that in the midst of all of that, you know, violence and nonsense and whatnot, like th- that they're you know willing to bring up those kinds of questions. That's that's what takes something like this and elevates it to you know another level, right? Like it's not just right. I mean, oh, let's let's watch 
you know, these cool Viking acts. Yeah, I, I think fights, it is that right? quality that has always put Vinland Saga above the, like, the berserks and such. You know, the, it's what could be considered its, uh, its seinen uh, contemporaries. Right. So, um... And is that that that's just continue so that's just continuing this season, right? I think it should be ending this season. Yes. Okay. Do they do they have a good stopping point? G that you they do. They definitely do. It's okay. It's gonna be a little bit of a rush to it, but I think they are going to have to finish there because it is the most thematically appropriate place to to end things. All right. Well, we will uh, check back in with that later. Um. Okay. Let's move along to our regularly scheduled episode coverage. So uh, we'll start by talking about Stars Align, uh, episodes six and seven, which were uh, almost all entirely the big match with the uh, the really good championship school, whatever. Yes, um, it, 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 it turned into a... Standard peak, sports anime. Peak yeah. sports anime for this show. Um, I don't know if there's too much to say about episode six because it goes exactly the way you'd expect it to. Right. Yeah. Really, the the much. entire um, the entire match really is just like we all we all kind of expected they'd they'd come in they'd they'd bloody their noses a bit and get some confidence, but in the end, you know, right. the good I team mean, is going to beat them. Yes, episodes, I mean, I think, if nothing else, I think that episodes 6 and 7 are good because they are doing the things I was hoping this show would do of, like, establishing a baseline power level that our heroes need to strive for, right? right. Like, like we, we needed to be reminded that, like, yes, they are making huge strides and gains in the past, like, month or so, but, like, compared to people who have been doing this what their whole life or you know whatever like they still have a long way to go but But also that still just really makes it hard to swallow like the idea that yeah there's this ace on their team no matter how bad his teamwork is that this kid who's only but like he literally says yeah i've just been playing tennis for a month he still hasn't like you know, as much as Joel has wanted to say maybe he's still hiding something he's still not coughing i mean i think with episode seven they have definitely put that theory to yeah. rest yeah no he wars. definitely yeah that that's and, done and so like it just but it does make it seem so undeserved and so just hard I, to take yeah. that he's he's playing for a month and he goes toe-to-toe and he goes to a break point with right i mean with a it, guy it, that yeah it's, it, it's definitely that issue of like here's the thing this storyline has existed in sports fiction period for like since time immemorial right like the classic rocky going the distance with apollo creed Mm -hmm. i think the issue there is that like in rocky's case you know he wasn't a very good boxer but he was a boxer had been doing it for years yeah like he like he spent he went the distance but he got the crap kicked out of him like he clearly lost the fight Whereas, and I mean, he put in a lot of work. Yes, like, and he put right. in a ton of work, but I think the issue with, like, Stars Align is maybe... Here's the thing. I actually don't mind Episode 6 where it is, like... I think the vibe of Episode 6 for me is, like, okay, our kids are going up against, like, the second and third stringers of the ace team. And, like, the fact that they are managing to, like, get them to sweat a little bit is, like... I think that works, right? Right. I think that part works with, oh, you're going up against our second and third stringers, and you managed to take a game from us. Like, that's... Like, that's not insignificant, right? Like, that's not nothing. I think where it begins to fall apart is when... Uh... uh, What? uh, Maki 
Maki and Toma like legitimately push what was supposedly their best player, their champion, like right. to the brink. Right. And right. That, that's where I maybe kind of. Uh, yeah, that was that was that was a stretch. Like 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 Marlon like Marlon said, you know, a there's no way a kid who's only been playing a month is going to be that good, and b there's no way their teamwork would have been that bad that they could have exploited it, and they would have you know because this these these players like won a championship or something like right right like they said earlier like it's they they have like game experience like any like that that would have been exposed a lot earlier right like it would not that have, was like, that much of a problem right like maki would not have been the person to expose that weakness if these people had really been playing against other players right. of their level for like years now because other players should have ostensibly also yeah right so i, I think that that match in particular was a little bit of a stretch and i i agree g the stuff in episode six actually worked pretty well um yeah i did like <laughs> the episode six of i think it was fun you know like obviously like I, the matches were like it was fun because these kids were not winning on pure skill. They were winning on exploiting either the weaknesses of their opponents or leaning right. into their own goofy, weird strengths. Yeah, I'll, which, I'll give right. And then when they and well, and then once it got figured out, then they, then they lost, right. which is the like, way I think, it should have. Right. Which, which I think is good because, like, in terms of sports anime, like it is good to have gimmicks. Like as much as we joke about the infamous snake shot, like <laughs> while you don't want to go that far with your sports anime, we do remember the snake shot. <laughs> but yes, we also we remember the snake shot for a reason, and right. it, so gimmicks are not a bad thing in sports anime as long as they are used you know judiciously. And I think that's what episode six does a good job of. I think episode seven, I think what we just keep saying is it kind of falls apart because like because it's just the context of Maki like because again it, it it also begins to take away. And I think they get into this in episode seven is that it begins to take away agency from Toma, yeah. right? Like. Like it, it took Maki to figure out, like, ah, yes, I've, I've deduced their weaknesses, right. and it's like Toma, who's ostensibly like loves the sport and has been, you know, has been doing it for a while. Like the fact that he is still like, you know, being led by Maki to these conclusions, like, just makes him, like, right. I don't know, seem like an idiot. I guess <laughs> this may be like an unpop, an unpopular opinion, but like. I think I'm ready to drop this show. I know wow, we're yeah. already at episode seven, but I just—it's really just not doing yeah, enough for me. I—I'm not—I'm not at that point yet. I am still like—I still think the character stuff is pretty solid. I think it's just. Yeah, let's let's actually get to that because in um. Because we get to that in episode seven, yes. The back half of episode seven, the one thing they do try to subvert the uh, I guess, the the sport the cliche here is they have the, the ace guy from the other team kind of crash their barbecue and he turns out he's 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 kind of an idiot and kind of hot-headed but you know maybe he's not that bad of a guy and he goes right. and hangs out with them right um and you know again when when it's when it's just the characters like hanging out and stuff that's when this show is like at its best right yeah like, mm -hmm. um so so i mean that 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 part was pretty fun and i think that i think that was their almost blatant attempt to try to like subvert the i mean the, the cliche i even guess if it's i guess that's a problem like a is like a huge thing I, I mean i wouldn't call it a subversion and more just a good execution of that classic trope because if you look at a lot of sports manga and anime like usually one of the first additions to like the main character team's crew is the like rival one of the early rivals they beat or almost beat who then becomes like 
a hot-blooded local buddy for them to, like, hang out with. Right. And so I wouldn't necessarily say they are subverting things there. In fact, the thing I would say... The method. Yes. Maybe not the concept, sure, but the method sure, felt yes, a little bit yes. different than that. what usually happens. The, the thing I would say that gets subverted or maybe begins to interest me again is the part where Toma is eating by himself during the barbecue, and he admits to the other guy, like, it feels like I don't belong here anymore, almost, right? Like, right. he doesn't say it out loud, but it, he, he's almost admitting that, like, in some ways, Maki is beginning to supplant his position as, like, the de facto kind of leader of the crew. Right. And I don't know, like, I, I'm curious where that'll go, because I feel like Maki and Toma's relationship was very much solidified with, like, the, the, the whole, like, confronting Maki's father thing, but now we have this moment here where... I'm not saying Toma is regretting that, but Toma's kind of like wondering. He, There's some know. conflicted feelings. Yeah, there are conflicted feelings there for sure. Definitely some conflicted feelings, and I like. I think that makes things interesting, even if maybe some of the context and events around it are not working for me as well. Do you think we're ever going yeah. to get anything like meaningful from the girl? Like it seems like every episode they just have to devote a think... half a minute clip to her being like, oh, I'm here even though I'm acting all tsundere. Like, I mean, I think they were building up to Mitsue doing something for the plot because they definitely there keep... some kind of implication with... I don't know if that was supposed to mean something when they were like, oh, you hardly ever eat during, you know, lunch I... normally. Like, is that I... is she going to have her own tragic backstory? Well, gonna... It just seems I... like she's generally, I... like nerdy and being ostracized right she is isolated she is ostracized by her peers right and maybe that has led to like the personality she has currently uh i mean they're definitely gesturing towards those things i i hope it is not too dramatic i think i i think that if they introduce even one more like tragic backstory yeah like to this plot i'm not yeah. sure i'll be able to handle that but... i don't know man <laughs> yeah I, I mean, with like, yeah, like I said last time, like everybody has problems, so like, like we could have more like problems, but like when we get to like the real hard, like you know, abusive stuff and all that, like I, I we have enough of that to, we haven't even addressed that, you know, we don't need to introduce more, um, so right, there's, there's and there's still a lot of, there's still quite a few loose ends to tie up. We've never gotten anything on Toma's mom or stepmom or whatever's happen happening over there right like we're halfway through they got to start like tying up uh, some of these plot lines we, we had that yeah. we, had, we had last time when they just randomly brought up the the student council president and her <laughs> yeah thing. Oh, like yeah. shit that was a thing we never we never we, they opened that book and we never went anywhere with I forget, that is um, this based on anything is this original no this is a random like, yeah, that, yeah. um, that thing with the president the, always made me think of it just being like a based on a manga where they're like oh this manga had a chapter just devoted to right. her and so they just <laughs> yeah. save, like, save that for the segue <laughs> to be star right we want to talk about anime that does a, a an amazing job of introducing what was an incidental filler chapter of the source material oh yeah that was really good let's talk about b stars <laughs> yeah okay that was episode All right, seven yes. though not episode six but yeah yes. but oh well it's it. We, we 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 can we we can we can transition to that. I don't I don't think we have too much more to say nah, on Stars Online at good. this point. But uh, B Stars is real good. Oh yes, <laughs> I'm still I was so wrong about the panda. 
I didn't say a thing. I couldn't I say was, a thing. I, I know you couldn't say a thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm on tape. <laughs> is, there, so. is, there, is there anything this show can't do? I feel like we cover so many different areas <laughs> in these two episodes. Yeah. Um, and uh, based on what you've been implying, G, I feel like maybe there are many more areas to cover to come. But perhaps the the uh, we'll start we'll start with episode six. Yes. They go to the black which market. Which has which which has our our boys heading to town for for an episode. Yeah, the city for the first time. The ghost yeah, he so... says he hasn't been outside the school in a full year. <laughs> it's a boarding school. Yeah. I know, but like. Even Harry well, Potter I don't think goes he... to Hogsby. Like, I, I think, I think the, well, I think the implication like... wasn't that he couldn't. It wasn't that he couldn't go. No, it was just he yeah, doesn't like he, going. I, I'm saying yeah. that he I mean, has not done so personally. Yeah, the I mean, show there's a doesn't exactly Harry... say that his life choices up to this point have been very healthy. <laughs> Lugosi has his reasons. Yeah. Anyway, but, uh... go to town. Yeah. And uh yeah. And there's birds. What starts as a like, uh... like I I always just assumed that because they're all human sized they're just grounded. Get your flying <laughs> but... license. Well, no, Marlin, as they explained, uh, you can't apply for your flying <laughs> license until you graduate high school. Right. Duh. What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I even just uh, I even even think to include uh, eagles and the carnivores. But oh, yeah, uh, I like that, that makes touch. sense. Uh, but, uh, yeah, boys go to town, seems like a normal, uh, you know, let's, let's, uh, go to town with our friends episode <laughs> until yeah, they discover. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, there's, there's, there's a good, like, I mean, even before they get to the black market, there's a good, like, just, like, very, like, what's the word? Very, like, believable, like, set of interactions of just, like, a bunch of high school boys hanging out, like, like, I mean, you can totally imagine. Talking about the, the stripes on the ass of his girlfriend. Right. Right, right. Like, like just As a tiger, I only fuck striped animals. Well, I mean, it's, it's, but you get what I mean, right? Of like, oh, these high yeah. school boys have been given an excuse to get off the leash for a day. Mm-hmm. Like, of right. course they're gonna, like, fucking, like, you know, take a stop at McDonald's and, like, you know... Talk about girls. Talk and, about yeah. girls and... You know, yeah. fucking, you know, you know, rib your friends. Like I can smell the virgin on you and all that, <laughs> right? Like, and remember, like this is Bill, the guy that Lugosi was savagely beating like two episodes ago. <laughs> right. It's yes. like they're already back to normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, uh, yes, that gives way to a, a bit of a, a turn oh, in the, yes. the, oh, the back half of the episode. That was intense. <laughs> Where. Uh, the boys discover the black market that uh, Lewis warned them, right? He said, don't go to the, I mean, of the course, black market. I mean, of course, a fucking cop like Lewis would say that. So. <laughs> yes, but, uh, you know, this is, of course, where the, the carnivores can get meat if they so desire. Oh, yes. Um, and, uh, you know, this leads to various conflicts among the boys because, you know, Bill's ready to bite the finger off that old beggar man. Yeah. And uh, so I'm a little confused. That was so yeah, like that was so intense. Uh, like, is it illegal? Because it seems super obvious where it is. Like, I mean, they call it the black market. It's right? it's te- well, I think it, I I took it as it's technically illegal, but like like the police turns you know, the blind, turns a blind eye for like a not enforced, at least not in this particular right. situation. Maybe maybe for the sake of like social cohesion or whatever. Right. We're just gonna... Right. But yeah, um, like having that goat guy just be like, "Want a finger?" 
and <laughs> having the strings yeah. with the prices. Like, oh, that was yeah. just... I, it's a great moment. It really, like, some, like, real fast, like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> like, like, I think, I'm glad you guys have been enjoying Beastars up until now, but I would say that the introduction of the black market is where Beastars really starts to kind of pull back the curtain and be like, oh, you thought this was about a play, huh? <laughs> Let me tell you yeah. what Beastars is really about. So, this is a dumb thing that I thought was, that maybe only I thought was funny. But, like, when Lagos is running through the black market, and it's this, like, montage of various <laughs> cuts of meat, or uh, whatever, and it's like, yes. here's, here's like, meat, here's, like, meat, and then here's this, like, shawarma. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and I just thought that was so funny. Yeah, like, like one of those like, old-fashioned yeah, movies, yeah. having the, like, this the signs flashing on the screen right, but as the characters like, running. <laughs> there's like a piece of meat and then there's this like prepared meat. I don't know. Like in, in my head, no, 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 I hey, get my head is just a different some, you know, some, like, some mutton from the, uh, from the morgue, I guess. I guess. Yeah. But it's like, you know, it's a difference between like, <laughs> I don't know. There's a difference between like a ha- like a whole chicken versus like, a fried drumstick or something. No, you know? no I get like, you, man. I get right. you. Yes, it's. Uh, yeah. But... Um, it just continues to be interesting because, like, you can't quite make a real world allegory to this. Yeah. Um, because like it, it's not like it's not like we found a black market where you, right, where it was cannibalism or something like that, but. <laughs> It's not not cannibalism. It's kind of <laughs> in that neighborhood, right? And, and, right? That's, and, and that's what I say when I was trying to, like, you know, kind of hint to you guys that Beastars could be taken as a racial allegory, but you really shouldn't approach it in that way because that is not... Because it is not dealing in those, right? Like, there are many things in Beastars that simply do not have an allegory to our own society. It's more that Beastars has many of the trappings of our society, but recontextualized and very... right. It, it puts ways. it in a way that, like, if we were in that situation, maybe this is how we would handle it, and maybe we should think about that. Right. Yes, <laughs> like, yes. which is which is very interesting. And, uh, uh, then Panda shows up, and I was yeah. way yes. off the yeah. fucking mark. This <laughs> so whole time. Um, the the Panda Black Market. Yes, doctor, you know, I, look, I had doctor. assumed at the time this was a school show, um, <laughs> and so I thought this Panda would be within a school context. What, and you didn't think it was going to be vegan Kiryu Kazuma no, with a medical I didn't. degree? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, oh, it's so good. It is a nice uh, Yeah, so he, he, meets, he meets the shady back, uh, back alley panda doctor who has a very black and white view on uh, yes. carnivores here. And, and, and specifically, and like, yeah. he specializes in treating carnivores who uh, that he believes have given in to the meat lust. <laughs> Right. Like, and, I do uh, like this idea that, like, you know, he's a bear, right. but an herbivore right. bear. So in, it's in like in he's a, in, like, in between in a world, the worlds. In a world of carnivores and herbivores, the panda is particularly weird and unique, I guess. Because, right. like, there's still bears, right? Like, right, yeah. Yes. Well, they, they can eat meat, right? Like, it wasn't he would... Like, right, they're like, capable only of doing incidentally, so. like, any other animals sometimes well, it's does. Well, like, it's like if you feed it to them in captivity or something, they'll eat it and right. get nutrition But, like, from it. even right. their teeth are, like, you know, they're all square, like an herbivores to, to crush right. bamboo. I mean, as, you know, the doctor kind of hints at, I think the more of the idea of him being a, pan, a panda bear is he is an herbivore with the strength to... Uh, mm-hmm. 
to deal with carnivores. Right. Right. I love how but, his, uh, his like psychotherapy room is also his gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we we get to um, we, we and he has a very he so he pick, he picks up Lugosi who like passes out from trying not to eat the meat or something or yeah, whatever yeah. the the over, the um, the the central overload of uh, being around all that much. I do love I do like because but we know we know that like Lugosi falling in love with a rabbit is like oh that's weird because he could eat. Her or whatever, but then having the having the panda like kind of side straight out of like that's fucked up, kid. <laughs> You're gonna well, eat he, her, he, man. He, mm-hmm. he he's he's explaining it as Lugosi mistaking right. his feelings of love for his instinct to eat the rabbit. Right, right. It literally eat the rabbit. Right. He he is he is convinced that like I mean he says he says it he says like. You're not the first carnivore to come to me and claim they've fallen in love with an herbivore, only to be found later, like, eating them alive. Right. So he, uh, he's like, so he's like, tell you what, you can take this bunny porn magazine. Yes, you tell God. me if you get off to this. Yeah, that was right. Uh, like, what a great I've given you so much though. faith. Oh, but that was so funny. Oh, was come so on. Funny. It's such a was, good visual gag. It is a good visual Just, gag. Handing this fucking rabbit sense. porno bag, just like, like here, kid, have a look at this. This will cure what ails. Either you, you have right, either you're a carnivore, or you just have a fucking rabbit fetish. Makes me wonder, right, does like, he have like a filing cabinet where he's it's like alphabetized? Is like, where's my rabbit porn? He section? had that. He had that ready to go on on demand. Right. He's but, a uh, doctor, you know. He's got to be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I I love that episode. It raised a lot of interesting questions, right. which I'm sure will come into play later in the show, uh, and kind of address some. Uh, these are all things I think were were being implied earlier, but now we're kind of getting like the next level of yeah. exploration into those. Uh, yeah. Also, particular questions. I guess Bill and the the mongoose dude just ate ate that finger. Did they? Uh, Did they confirm? I don't know if they actually went through because because Lugosi does meet up with uh, Eagle Guy later, and Eagle Guy couldn't go through with any of it, basically, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, it's whether or not they had the money to do it because he I was mean, saying think, like, "Oh, we got to pull like together our money to buy this finger." Bill, Bill I mean, absolutely I would even... do it. I feel like, but right, we didn't see it. I mean, I think I think the implication is less that it was a money thing and more like at least Live with uh, at least with Alba the the Eagle, you know. I mean. He, he says he, he got cold feet, right? Or, like, he couldn't right. bring himself to do that, especially right. when, like, he goes to school with herbivores. And, like, it's... And, and, and I think it's meant to kind of represent that, like, even in this society, right? Like, yes, yeah, some carnivores are, like, totally ready to make that social disconnect between this is a piece of meat and this was a person. Mm-hmm. But there are plenty of carnivores that are, like... That used to be, like, a sapient being in this society. And... Right. Mm-hmm. Right, I, I I cannot jive with that. I did find it interesting right. how you how Lugosi like focused on how, you know, uh, I forget the eagle's name, but he his, Alba. Alba, Alba. his his beak is still as sharp as like as you know as it's ever been, whereas Lugosi trims his nails intentionally to kind of be like a manifestation of his repression. And how I mean, how you how are you gonna trim your beak? I know, but like, but it, it's just a kind of like a like symbolic that. He he's yeah, yeah. he needs to you know, he doesn't need to compromise who he is in order to prevent himself from doing these I mean, yes, doing something is... that he might mm-hmm. think is unforgivable. 
Totally. I, I, there is definitely a, thema- a latent thematic, like, element of Lugosi's character is that, you know, I'm not going to go as far as say, you know, <laughs> he is like a parable of, of somebody being ashamed of their race, but more that Lugosi is, Lugosi is deeply frightened of what he is physically capable of because of his body. And right. Right. Maybe some and, issues of shame or anxiety that stem from that. And is he overcompensating, which kind of get, touches into next episode, too, in other ways. But, yes. but first, um, <laughs> get the side story. But first, <laughs> let's talk about eggs. Yep. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. So so episode seven is a collection of wonderful uh, things. This is so... I'm so glad Probably, they did... I think we were all saying it's probably the best episode so yeah, far. Yeah. I'm so glad they did not cut this chapter. <laughs> um... <laughs> Was that well, yeah? So yeah, we we start with the, kind of the cold open chapter of uh, uh, Lucy's Legom uh, Leg the Hen. Yeah. Legom the Hen, yes. Um, I couldn't remember her name because it's, it's right next and to her whole. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, some more interesting question as to you know where eggs come from in this world because we have seen them pop up, but uh, you know. I'm a little disappointed they're <laughs> not like person relative size eggs they're not like like well, a football don't think about it too hard <laughs> i don't want it <laughs> yeah not. the less the less we the less we think too hard the less we dig into that yeah. the better probably but uh the, the yeah the details are probably not uh something we want to dig into but the uh but yeah so apparently she's been uh, you know selling her eggs as a part-time job and uh she's been secretly pleased that uh, Lugosi seems to really like her eggs, even though he doesn't know it. And right. I don't even know what's happening in this whole <laughs> it's really sequence good. of events here, it's, but it's it's really good. Yeah, I mean, it, I love Beastars a lot for like its characters and its overarching plot, but it also these sorts of incidental chapters are also like a really fantastic part of Beastars, and I'm so glad they kept it in because. I feel like if you were going to cut a Beastars anime for time, like, this is one of those chapters that would be the first to go because it contributes, like, nothing to the overarching plot. Right. But I think it's so important because it lays down more of the the flavor of the Beastars right. setting. I think it, I, what struck me kind of was, like, it's a really smart adaptation choice to put that before the opening. Yeah, um, like, just right. as a cold open. Because, mm-hmm. like, the opening... as. I, since it's a show that already like usually just starts immediately with the opening, putting that before right. allows yeah. allows before we get it back to, to the plot. Right, stuff. allows it to be separate from the main plot, yeah. without being like, well, "When is this going to be important later?" Like having a like allowing the opening to happen after that lets you reset your brain. You know, right. I mean, the the directorial choices have continued to be very good. Yeah, fantastic. really good. Really, really like. I mean. You know, if we did the sort of like you know the anime awards for best directing, like <laughs> like you know best anime or whatever, like that's up for debate. But like if we want to have like best like like visual like directing and editing, like I think B Stars is definitely up there this year. Like it's just so bring back the twenty twelve well, awards we did, like <laughs> shot and thrown. Well, yeah. yeah, and now I can finally uh, bring up that um. So the author of the manga, uh, Paru Itagaki, she um. When she makes public appearances, she pulls a Yoko Taro, where uh, she wears a mask. She is a... I mean, I'm sure... Oh, and is this the mask? Is this the mask yes. she wears? she wears a mask of Legam the Hen. <laughs> she has admitted that Legam the Hen is her self-insert in Beastars, because just like Legam the Hen strives to make uh, Lugosi happy with her eggs, 
she too tries to write a story that is worthy of Lugosi. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's fantastic. Shot of this uh, chicken yes, in a tracksuit. Yeah, it's just really, right? Like just some really good images that are just like, like they know that like they don't need to like add anything extra to make it funny. Just like the framing of <laughs> this chicken, like in a tracksuit, like right. doing laps to stay healthy, mm-hmm. is funny in and of itself. Right. Uh, it, yeah, it's it, it is very well timed. Just to so many things, because like it gives us a little segue, it gives like a little breather from the heavy previous episode, yeah. and then like we're kind of back into somewhat lighter material in this episode any, anyway. And, and yeah. it was a nice, nice little break to ease us into the you know the rest of the episode. But um, yeah, uh, this so the, even even after that we get the op, but then. Uh, Shout out to that little animated sequence with uh, Haru's uh, monologue. Yo, right the OP. That, let me t- okay, that's not a. Do, do we know who did that? <laughs> like that's that's anime original, huh. right? Um, I yeah, I don't I don't know, I don't know if I'm, we know not, who did I, that or I, they brought in a guest for that or something because that that was not CG, right? No, that was like I, I mean, if it was, then wow, Orange has like some real yeah, no, that, that was like, in their stable. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, that was super impressive. Like, I I feel bad for not knowing, not looking up who did it, but it's like, I did a really quick search and didn't find. But I, I I'm not as plugged into where you find those things. Okay. But yeah, it, it looked like the that that looked like the kind of thing you bring in a guest yes, animator yes, that's... for this one sequence type of thing. It's like this really cool dream sequence thing over Haru's monologue. As uh, she's uh, getting it on with Lewis here. <laughs> I mean, yes, which that is that is what the yeah. scene is going to. I mean... Which we uh, which we kind of uh, kick off the episode with just uh, and, and right, because a lot of this episode is building up to exploring their relationship, having Lagosi kind of find out something's going on, having Lewis kind of find out that hey, why does Lagosi know who Haru is? Oh yes, um, and ah. Uh, setting up and we get the uh we get the the cute wolf girl in the drama club to set up this like love parallelogram thing right uh i don't know who to ship anymore um and yeah it's all it's all really good kind of culminating in um i have kind of wondered like fairly ominous final scene yeah Oh yes, with yes. Um, Lagosi seeing Lewis just talking to Haru and like the sight of it kind of inciting his jealousy or whatever. Right. Um, right. <laughs> I mean, as we've seen before, Lagosi is usually pretty like low key, and it's, it's, it's like episodes like the play and episodes like this where we begin to wonder if if maybe Lagosi isn't wrong to try and keep himself so restrained because. <laughs> Like, like I said, things uh, seem to really is he, pop off is he, when he's being himself. <laughs> yes, like, yes, like I said, is he is he Dimitri from Fire Emblem? Does he <laughs> have, uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, is there is an aspect of Lugosi that's like, what if this dude just decided to fucking pop off? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, what could he be capable of doing to his peers? And yeah, and it's like, whereas I feel like in previous moments we've kind of lean towards saying, well, maybe Lugosi is overcompensating and he needs to open up a bit. Maybe we're starting to get the counterpoint of, oh, maybe he really does need to not take any chances <laughs> <laughs> uh, and really pack that down. But uh, but 
you know, that's part of his the the interesting thing about his his character. Where I don't know if there is a definitive answer to that, at least yeah. not yet. I, but I mean, um, I, I do like that. This is how they decided to explore the you know explore the mis- you know the quote unquote mystery of does Lugosi love Haru or does he is he just like hungry for her and the fact that seeing her with Lewis evokes feelings of jealousy and hatred and anger perhaps prove that yes like maybe in some ways those are the truest way to prove that you're in love with someone mm. <laughs> right and not the uh <laughs> I, I, sorry I, I skipped by just the porn magazine coming back into <laughs> yes, play in this I'm, episode. Yes, we should bring yeah. that up. Yes, poor Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, that little flashback with Jack. Like, ah, oh, I've known Lugosi all my life. Like, <laughs> here have these flashbacks of little kid Lugosi picking up bugs off the ground. and mm-hmm. Such a pure, innocent boy. Right. Now he's jacking it to bunnies. <laughs> <laughs> Where did I go wrong? What happened to my best friend? <sighs> I have kind of wondered, yeah, like... Jen- if Jack seems all right. Jack's all yeah. right. The little bit we've seen of him. But like, scenes like uh, this, and like, with the scene with Haru and Lewis, if there's almost like, do you guys know much about Leda and the Swan? Um, so it's this story from uh, Greek mythology. Like, uh, Leda is this beautiful woman, and, you know, just like Zeus oh, normally swan, does, Zeus turns into a swan and right, has sex yes, with her. Okay. So, like, even in the Renaissance times when they would uh, make a lot of nude uh, paintings, they would never depict actual sex between a man and a woman. But for some reason, because mythology was big, you could depict sex between Leda and a swan. <laughs> and I'm wondering if oh, there's almost okay. kind of like the same thing here in Beastars that like normally we would never see this kind of explicit like stuff in anime, or at least it's not very common, especially in but such because a, it's a, a bunny but because and it's a, deer. a bunny and a deer. If it's like kind of more. Oh, oh, I think it's because it's on Netflix. Well, it it's on Netflix. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, this stuff is Marlin also does... in the Shonen magazine that the manga yeah, runs I mean, in, right? Yeah, right. Marlon does bring up a valid point that, like, B stars, like, you know, like there are a lot of anime that could be described as sexy or sexual, but B stars, I think, is one of the few like that you can legitimately say is about sex in a. They're very open about right. it. Right. Like, there's no. Like, dancing around i mean like lugosi almost walks in right after lewis and haru have like obviously finished fucking right and there's even that great scene afterwards where they're walking down the steps and like lugosi is sniffing lewis yeah and like how right much, like you can tell be, something is yeah, up <laughs> because he really realizes what was going on like yeah but you um, smell like you smell like sex and bunnies. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, right. Maybe, like, maybe that's our episode title. Right. I don't know, <laughs> Meanwhile, like <laughs> Juno over here is all over Lugosi. Right. I mean, yes, Juno continues to be the platonic ideal of the perfect, um, pure-blooded wolf girlfriend. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Um, I do love how they've been using like the animal's ears and things like that to convey their emotions and how, like you can mm-hmm. kind of see that with the way Lugosi uses his ears co- with Haru compared with her like he'll he'll usually be like more uh, like what's the word he'll usually have him down more whereas he's more attentive with Haru oh yeah yeah no I get what you mean like using the body language to communicate the the, the relationship right, right. Yeah, I mean, like we said, the the directorial choices here, yeah, are just there's so many good choices. Yeah, well, you know, the the split screen dialogue we yes. talked about last time works really well. 
Um, yeah, just, I yeah, and as, <laughs> and we're set up to where, um, you know, like like I said, the 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 ending of this episode feels pretty ominous. It I does. don't know what's going to happen next. I, I'm curious. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm curious if you guys have any speculation is, for is uh, a, God, is Lewis going to get the fist fight with Legosi that he's been wanting? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I oh, know. I don't know about that. I feel like off and fight on top of Metal Gear. Like, <laughs> <laughs> fight on top of this dinosaur that we built. Yes, yeah. yes. Is that how this ends? Right. I mean, I, I mean, that's a thing. I right? can't imagine. <laughs> like. <sighs> Like like something, some, it feels like something bad is going to happen. I don't know what yet, I mean, and it's interest. It's interesting because like I do feel like Lewis and Legosi have spoke, have been portrayed as kind of frenemies, I guess, uh, up to now. Uh, but like, is that are they going to work this out, or is somebody going to get murdered? I don't know. <laughs> um, and I mean, let's not forget there, there was a murder, still an unsolved <laughs> murder on campus. Yes, <laughs> and. Uh... That's still still out there. Now the black market has been introduced, and the panda doctor didn't show up in episode seven. There's, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of things. Yeah, <laughs> V Stars does a lot of things, and I'm really looking forward to it. like. And even as somebody who read the manga, like you know, I don't remember every plot beat beat for beat. Like as soon as they show up, I I remember again. Oh right, this is where such and such happens. But like, if you told me to tell you like right now what happens next episode i couldn't tell you off the top of my head and it's been fun just kind of re-watching these events again yeah all right well we'll uh see where that goes next time yeah. and speaking of things that we're sort of re-watching <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we'll we'll wrap things up again with our legend of the galactic uh, we're heroes leaking uh... into the main podcast again uh-huh <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, but we're, that's because we're talking this is about my excuse <laughs> This is my legitimate excuse. Yeah, we're to talking talk about, about a about currently it. airing anime, Legend of the Galactic Heroes DNT. Uh-huh, sure. Yeah. Um. And so, so you know, I kind of, I don't know if I really truly realized watching the original OVA how convenient it was that both sides had their civil war at the same time. I mean, they I mean, literally. Yes, that's that's why. half the point is but, that it was. Right, like that's literally what right. Reinhardt goes through the trouble of engineering. Right, right, and I understand that was intentional, but yeah, it, it, plot-wise, it's very convenient. And yes. It seemed more obvious to me in the this week's block of episodes here because episode twenty was kind of the the tail end of the the Empire side of it with the the, the Westerland yeah. incident, um, and of course episode twenty one is the the end of uh, you know the FPA side, but. Um, Episode 20, like, in both cases, like, plot-wise, I mean, obviously, it's pretty much the same as what happened in the OVA. I, a couple things I would, I would found interesting, um, in 20, when the, when the Westerland, um, incident happens, that's, like, a huge moment. Yeah, and I, one of the, one of the biggest things that kind of defined our opinion on Reinhardt, yes, right? Yes, and I, I would go as far as say that, like, while there is less screen time spent on it, I might almost prefer DNT's portrayal of the Westerland incident. There's less time spent well, on like Reinhard, on like building up Reinhard because in the OVA he's, you know, like waffles about it and such. And we were right. t- we were right. told in like, the comments that in the novels he agrees to it, and yes. I think this reflects that well, more hmm. closely. In yeah, I th- I think it, well, I, I it's interesting because in this version. 
they never actually I don't think they actually have him say the words, but they, no, they but imply they, they that definitely leave it in a Yeah, whereas in the OVA they they he they spend more time he's like, Oh well give me, you know, an hour to think about it or something right. and like they kinda soften the they make it more look like he was being indecisive, which is I guess you could say not very less. Reinhardt-ish. It's not very Reinhardtish, but also like technically less bad than yeah, explicitly I mean, well, saying, think, you know, I, I do think it. The great the biggest difference I would say is that the OVA in hindsight goes through goes through a lot of pains to like like it really drags out to show right like it's sh- to show like oh Reinhardt's really concerned about this he's really thinking on it like no Reinhardt's not complicit it's just over mean old Oberstein and his like manipulations of Reinhardt right whereas the OVA makes it I mean not the OVA the, uh, DNT again even though DNT does not literally have Reinhardt say out loud let these innocent civilians get nuked to death they leave the scene making it very apparent that Reinhardt... The look on his face is saying, all right, we got to do this. That he approves the action. And not only that he approves it, but he is far more explicitly complicit in it. And, I mean, just to give some context for people who are listening, the Westerland incident is uh, basically... Reinhardt is kicking the shit out of the Lipstadt League, the the rebelling nobles. Like, they... I gotta say, if there's anything I learned from DNT, or DNT helped me remember, is... um, how fucking so bad com- the Empire used to be. <laughs> right, like, how the true low point the Empire was at before Reinhardt, like, came around. Like, like we always talk about, like, how annoying it is that FPA commanders that aren't Yangwen Lee or Dusty are, like, or, or Bukok are, like, frustratingly incompetent, stubborn, and, like, thick-headed about, like, yeah. how to save this goddamn nation. But... Compared to the FPA, the... Well, they don't shoot their own guys, at least. <laughs> right, the right. noble leadership <laughs> of the Empire is, like... They are delusionally bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they are so bad that they can't even tell when they're losing. Right. It's... <laughs> or, right, or, or are we're so... We're not losing, we're actually winning! Right, like, right. how delusional do you have to be to, like... It's, it, like, their incompetence is on a whole nother level, and yeah. I, it, it makes me remember, like, okay, f- like, maybe it's because we were not as familiar with the setting at the time, but, like, the Empire was easily as much on the verge of collapse as the FPA was at the beginning of the show. It's just that the Empire got lucky with Reinhardt, and the FPA didn't, essentially. <laughs> right. Um, but, yes, basically, for anyone not watching or not familiar... Reinhardt is presented with the classic, uh, you know, do you kill a million people to save, theoretically save, you know, hundreds of million people? Or do you, you know, stop this incident right now? And he essentially decides to sacrifice the, you know... Let's let all these non-combatants die. Right, these are explicitly non-combatants, like civilians. Like, he's not, you know, again, he is not pulling the trigger, but if we want to go the whole trolley problem thing, like, he is at least complicit by allowing it to happen. Right, yeah. And, again, I think think this works better because it, I think it is very easy in in the original OVA to write off a lot of Reinhardt's biggest failings as, like, oh, the problem with Reinhardt is just he cares too much. But... I think DNT does a better job. Like, actually, no. Reinhardt's path to to kingship was always paved in the blood of innocence. And, See, like, I, I um, 
and I, I'm not defend I'm not defending Reinhardt. I just find it more interesting when they try to Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna say justify, but like when they try to explore you know his feelings on it more i guess because yes because i mean he he's again i'm not saying he's not to blame for this incident just that like the fact that it's the fact that it would be a hard decision for him to make seeing that i think it makes it more interesting than just you know him making the cold hard decision right um you know either way it's it's you know i again i he's still you know the one responsible for it but i i do find it more interesting when we have a little more context to it uh but this is probably the more expedient way to basically get to the same result i guess right mm-hmm. um but uh yeah i mean other than that i feel like everything else pretty much panned out um, yeah, yeah, it was mostly the same. Otherwise, I feel yes. Uh, uh, and you know that they don't they they kind of end with uh, you know Kirky Ice learning about the news and him yes. preparing to have to confront Reinhardt on it. Yes, there is a reckoning coming <laughs> for, yeah. so for Reinhardt. We know. Yeah, well, we'll talk more about Kirky. I'm sure we'll have more to say about Kirky Eyes yeah. next time. We will have plenty to say about Kirky Eyes, I assume, but, uh, oh, man. in the next two episodes, go as I expect in the next podcast oh, of boy. the Glorious yes. Chat. Yeah, so, there's um, no way it's actually going to go the way it did in the OVA, right? I hope it does. <laughs> oh, I hope it goes exactly the way it went in the OVA. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see, 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 see what big happens You see how big is in this, in this version? There's plenty of room. <laughs> Sure oh yeah, Broadway's a big man in this. He's got a he's got a big body with big yeah, guts. That's true. I, I you can hide in his hair. A lot of guts, honestly. <laughs> you, you you could fit you could fit a lot in Braunschweig's body this time around. Oh, all right. Um, so episode twenty one is the the flip side yes, the, with the with the coup going on at uh, with the FPA, which is pretty much at its end because the you know they're they're cornered on Heineson. Yong throws some rocks at the Artemis necklace. Yes, yeah. Yang continues what, what, the grand old strategy of hucking rocks at his enemies. Yes, as inspired by which, which inspired by Ali Heinison, despite this having nothing to do with what Heinison did. No, but I, I mean, I feel like this was in the same place. This is the same place in the OVA where they also brought up the Ali Heinison flashback. Yeah, right? it, it, so. again, it's all pretty much the same as what happened. It's just it's funny reliving it, I guess. You know, what yes. would win this super advanced. Uh, Defense no. network of satellites or a ice cubes with Yung rockets strapped to them. That is that is me material right there. Yeah. Oh, yes. uh, I, I will say the Artemis uh, necklace looks a lot cooler in DNT as is usually the case yeah, with a lot like of them. Freaking clockwork, clockwork sun, sun. Yeah, some <laughs> sunless skies. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I will. Uh, let's it was see. the Boris Konev scene, I think. Yeah, I was gonna say we're gonna talk about things that are new about DNT. I think the Boris Konev scene was actually pretty effective. Right. Um, for those who need context, Boris Konev is a Fizani merchant. merchant smuggler of sorts, and he had just finished smuggling some uh, Earth cult, Earth cult um, uh, pilgrims, uh, pilgrims to Heineson, who we see quite prominently when tragically Job Trunick is revealed to be alive and well after the NSMC <laughs> are dismantled. And uh, Admiral uh, Greenhill is uh, killed by uh, a lynch. And right. 
Boris Konev uh, meets with none other than the Fazan patriarch himself, Adrian Rubinsky, and uh, is given the task of spying on the FPA. And up until now, the few scenes we had been shown of Boris Konev gave off a very, like, sort of James Bondish vibe. He's very sleek, you know, hair swept back, wearing, like, a, a, a suit vest very and tie. Very businessman. Very businessman, very slick, almost, again, too slick for, for Boris Konev. Mm. Until he is alone in a room with Marinesque, and he's bringing in some, what looks like Chinese takeout. Right, like fried rice <laughs> and or something. And it's just like, fantastic fuck scene this! Where Konev is like, man, fuck this, they want me to spy on my best friend. Like, <laughs> did you know that in the Konev family, we have never had either a bureaucrat or a spy or, or in our criminal. family? Or <laughs> criminal. Or, or it was a bureaucrat or a criminal in our family, and now they want me to be a spy, which is basically both. <laughs> yeah. And that's I a really like, good that, Okay, that's, that's, pretty good. that's pretty good. And, like, the way that line is written is, like, so specific to, like, the way Legend of Galactic Heroes carries itself that I almost feel like that must have been from the original novels and, right. like, was just tragically cut from the OVA. But I'm glad DNT brought that line back because it's really good and, like immediately right. endeared me back to Boris Konev again. It's interesting because in the OVA, um, when this scene happens, it's, it's basically Boris Konev just saying, ah, oh, they want me to spy on Nanguin Lee, and then we move on. And so, not to spoil, not to get too much into the OVA, but like, I was unsure about Boris Konev's character for a long time um, for it, because yes. of that scene. But I think this makes it a lot clearer that he has no intention of spying <laughs> On right, because in the original OVA, we were never shown Boris Konev actually, like, sending Rubinsky any, like, valuable information. And so for the longest time, we were just like, when's Boris Konev going to make his move? Isn't he still a spy? <laughs> right. But here, <laughs> but, it's uh, a lot more clear that he wants something to do with this shit. <laughs> right, right. So, so yeah, I think, I think that scene was definitely an improvement. Um you know, the rest of it is definitely kind of the same old, same old, uh, yes, Yang throwing rocks, that one NSMC guy being, like, you know... Oh, him trying to... Like, guilt trip Justify, Yang. right, right and then, trying to guilt trip right, Yang. You know, Yang yeah, being like, no, Bob, you are the autocracy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess, I guess Green Hill dying was basically... I mean, functionally the same. Yes, basically the same. Green Hill continues to either be too slow on the draw or have really bad aim <laughs> because, look, right. I, I, I thought I liked Green Hill, but like rewatching these scenes in D and T reminds me that like Green Hill seemed like a nice enough guy, but he was not as competent or intelligent as <laughs> maybe we all wished he had been because well, right. Like, we, maybe we like Green Hill because he's Frederica's dad, but, like, in retrospect, he was... Well, being a nice guy doesn't make you a good military commander right. or he give was, you the ability to he was all, take it on a coup. Always <laughs> kind of a chump, like... Right. Like, he got played by Reinhardt, he got played by by Lynch, he basically got played by Job Trunit, like, he got <laughs> yeah. played by Young. The ultimate like, insult. I mean, is he... Is he kind of, you know, skipping ahead here, is he kind of like Hilda's dad where he's like a nice guy but doesn't really 
Holdo's dad is smart enough to know and uh, right. Oh uh, yeah, I guess he, he he's been proven to be pretty competent. Way more competent in the sense yeah. that like Hilda's dad he's, recognizes he's fully aware how, of how of his own incompetence. Right. He he is aware of how far his limited skill set will take him. And right. He knows, he when knows to his fold limitations. It. Right. Whereas right. like Greenhill got tricked into thinking like he had what it took to like lead a nation when. <laughs> Yeah, apparently I don't know, poor not. guy. Like, I mean, I mean, yeah. poor guy. On the other hand, fuck the dude for starting a fascist rebellion. But <laughs> right, <laughs> yes. Know. Let's not uh, forget that part of it. But yeah, dude, maybe did not deserve to go out the way he did. I'm gonna shout <sighs> out Chunky Landsberg. Um, his redesign is hilarious to me. Oh my <laughs> god, fucking the new Landsberg, the new bungling poet in. Oh yeah, yeah, DMT yeah. He yeah. is. <laughs> Forget Braunschweig, you could fit a lot in the new Landsberg <laughs> shit. Like, you know, like, you know, you know why what happens to Erwin Yosef in the Soviet happens? is because fucking Landsberg keeps eating all the goddamn Jesus food. fucking Christ. He's <laughs> oh, hogging all the food, I, man. Yeah, I wonder Jesus. what the inspiration is. Holy like, Because... It is. Yeah, maybe maybe they just want to mix it up instead of yeah you know. I guess like I, I, it's it's a thing of like I could still see the Landsberg in DNT being the Landsberg we eventually end up with it's just like like the original Landsberg is like he's foppish in a way that's like oh right this is why we call him the bungling poet because like he is delusion he has like delusions of self importance right right whereas like this La- this Landsberg is almost like I don't know it comes off more of like a nerd <laughs> comically oafish right. yeah yeah it's like I mean, maybe that's perfect. Maybe that's perfect because again, they keep they're keeping this Landsberg design. We're gonna get to the, see this guy a lot in season two, mm-hmm. and that's gonna be kind of funny. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of yes. funny until it gets very unfunny in season four. But you know, <laughs> anyway, what I mean. we got a long right, time before we get to that. Though, yeah. yeah. Uh, I know. I know. All right. Well, uh, I I still overall not really wild about dnt but understandable there there are some some good and bad i do find it interesting it's i've been kind of watching the uh, i don't normally read the comments but i've been watching some of the crunchyroll comments and um hey don't read the comments on episode 20 Ooh. because you're gonna get a lot of uh what, right? trolley problem defenses but uh <laughs> in general it's been it's been interesting to see some people saying like this show's awesome i should probably go check out the yes, old you should. Uh, also listen to yeah, our podcast OVA. the legend and of the listen- glorio heroes so yes, I don't you, know Eric. I don't know what uh, Crunchyroll's uh, terms of services are about plugging your uh, podcasts on uh, <laughs> on their <laughs> comment section, but maybe I should drop a link or something. Hanging out with VRV, right? Or die dive? Uh, I don't know, maybe. But yeah, I mean that's the thing, right? Like, I mean, if if DNT does what it did for me and Ear, I mean for I mean for me and Eero, and then eventually you guys as well, like, <laughs> then spread the spread the gospel one way or right, the other. Then in essence, it has done its job. Think. And this is the this is the cool youth minister who is uh, yes. touching touching base with the kids and getting them into, uh, into the, earth cult. <laughs> the source material. <laughs> hey kids, remember our uh, motherland Earth? <laughs> oh, terror in my hand, terror in my heart. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Well, I think that's gonna do Bible. it for this episode. It's got kids skateboarding what, on it. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> let's uh let's call it a podcast on that yeah. one and uh do our housekeeping. So check us out at theglorioblog.com. Follow us on Twitter at theglorioblog. You can uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean. 
uh we're also up on youtube for now until they find some reason to take us off as until coppa gets us oh god yeah we're talking about cartoons are for children <laughs> yeah <laughs> these are clearly cartoons for children hey, look as uh, <laughs> as we all know as we all know when bittenfield stormed the emmys or was it the grammys bittenfield Stiffness. said legend of the galactic heroes is for the children <laughs> <laughs> Uh, gee, at least I understand what you're Thank talking you. about. Thank um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so tell your friends, tell your enemies. I'm going to say that again. And uh, we'll catch everybody next time. See Ciao. you later. Yeah.